I've lost track of how many times I've started off these videos, these little like stinger bits at the beginning of the video that I do. I've lost count of the amount of times that I've just gone, hey, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, don't we? And then I do my cliche overdramatic, let's talk about it, don't I? That's a thing, that's, that's what I do. But legitimately, we do have a lot to talk about tonight. So let's talk about it. And also, can we stop beating up Angel Garza's pants? Oh yes. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your November 6th NXT review. But before we do that, we're going to get into the house cleaning like we usually do. Two bits of house cleaning. One of them's kind of small. One of them's a lot bigger, in my personal opinion, but uh, maybe you guys will agree or disagree. The first is, as you guys would expect, Full Gear is coming up this coming Saturday from AEW. It's the first pay-per-view since they started the weekly show Dynamite. We're going to get myself. We're going to get Guapo. We are going to preview that pay-per-view. It's going to go out sometime Friday evening, probably 7, the way I've been doing the premieres recently, but it is going to go out sometime Friday evening, barring any scheduling issues, etc. I mean, you can sit down and you can listen to us talk bullshit before you watch SmackDown. That, that's a good thing, isn't it? The second, I mean, shout out to Guapo, by the way, because he's still my AEW guy. The second is a little bigger, a little bigger for me. Uh, those of you that have been watching this channel for a long time know that I've been doing this for a long time and building this channel, although I don't make any money on this channel, even just getting the attention for this channel, building the audience for this channel has been a bit of a slog because we know that uh, without hyperbole, the, the YouTube system is pretty broken right now. Talk to any of the big YouTubers, you know, people that are losing their monetization, people that are flat out losing their subs, people whose subs aren't getting their, their, their shit out. And I have, for the amount of time I've been on YouTube, for me to still be hovering under 900 is bordering on ridiculously unbelievable at this point. I'm still going to stay on YouTube. I'm still going to be here. You guys can still watch my pretty sexy face, like I say at the beginning of the, uh, of the not video videos. Uh, but I have decided at the, uh, not the insistence, but at the definitely the suggestion of one OK Fabe, uh, if you follow him. If you don't follow him, you should follow him. Go to OKFabe, watch him on YouTube, listen to his podcasts, etc. One of the things he plugs a lot on his thing is Anchor.fm, which is the um, the audio audio podcasting platform that that. Uh, why can't I think? Why can't I make words? It's the audio platform that he advertises on his channel that I looked into over the weekend, and I signed up for it, and I ripped the audio from my NXT review last week, and I threw it on Anchor just to see what would happen. Now, the first thing that I found out is that the monetization for Anchor is not available in Canada yet, which is something that's being worked on, etc. But I do have my stuff on there. I do have an account on there now. So, any of you guys that want to pick up what I do here in audio form, you can go to Anchor, you can go to Spotify, you can go to Radio Public, you can go to Pocket Casts, or you can go to Google Podcasts, search Spaz Phoenix Podcast, and you will get exactly the same show you're getting here in a podcast form if you guys do want to uh, pursue that and uh, and pick me up in an audio form because realistically all you're missing is me in my in my wonderful face and my wonderful hat here and half the collabs that I do are not visual anyway so it's not going to be too much of a jump as far as what you're getting it just may be a uh, 
another choice of where you're gonna get it. I don't know where this is gonna go. Uh, like I say, I'm very much playing it by ear. I'm very much teaching myself the podcasting thing. I wanna send a quick shout out to Ayana from Anchor, who is uh, one of their tech support people who has been helping me uh, build up my connections to certain things. Since Saturday, uh, their support has been great. And although I am not paid by them or monetized by them whatsoever, I will say from the own personal experience that I've had in the past five days or so, if you guys are going to try the podcasting thing, go check out Anchor. They, uh, they made it easy for me and I'm not very savvy. You guys know what I do here. My videos are very simplistic, sort of cut and paste. What you get is what you get. You're going to hear me yakking or you're going to hear me and somebody else yakking and there's not too much else. I mean, I'm not doing live streams. You know, you don't have the, the super chats and all the other bells and whistles that other people have. I like to, to keep things very, very simple because it's, it's what I have a grasp on. I am not by any means a tech wizard. I learn what I need to and that's about it. So if I, it's, it really is one of those things where if I can do it, anybody can do it and I've been having a little bit of fun with it so far so as I say if you like what I do here if you want to support what I do here in sort of a different way like I say I'm not talking about money there's no built-in money thing there's no monetization for on their end just yet I'm not asking you guys to give me anything but if you like what I do here and you want to help me along I mean obviously share the YouTube channel for whatever that's worth but subscriptions and notifications don't really do anything on YouTube take a look at what's happening to guys like okay fake guys like Joe Cronin uh, bigger names like uh, Steven Crowder etc who are getting blackballed by YouTube just because they are not uh, publishing favorable content I'm not backing everything that Steven Crowder says but a, a lot of his coverage of what's going on on YouTube is pretty damn on point uh, if you want to support me, if you want to help me get my name out there on these other non-YouTube venues, like I say, uh, go to Anchor, go to Spotify, go to Radio Public, go to Pocket Casts, go to Google Podcasts, just put in the search engine, Spaz Phoenix Podcast. Also, the links are going to be down in the description box below, if I remember to edit the description box down below, which, let's be real, that's a 50-50 thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm playing around with it. I don't... I don't know if it's going to last. I don't know if it's going to become anything. I don't know. Uh, I mean, if if the grass is greener on the other side, this might just become a podcast instead. Uh, but I'm not making any decisions like that right now. That's a hell of a ramble, and I've been talking for five minutes without talking about this week's NXT. But guess what? We're still not talking about NXT just yet because we have to talk about everything that's happened since the last time I spoke to you guys. The last time I spoke to you guys was the NXT review last week when we were getting ready for, well, basically we were getting ready for Crown Jewel, weren't we? And we were all happy about Crown Jewel, weren't we? And, and I watched Crown Jewel. It was all right. The Fiend got the title. We had a women's match in Saudi Arabia, which was huge. Uh, shout out to Lacey Evans and Natalia. It's good. People that were complaining about it and people were complaining, oh, why'd they pick them? Uh, I, I want to say it before. I've said it on social media. I've said it in a lot of other mediums. But if you look at that match and you're picking on how good the match was or who they chose to be in the match, you're really, really missing the point and you really aren't paying attention to what's going on in the rest of the world. Now, after Crown Jewel, there was all of the... Sorry, this is why you shouldn't watch the video. You should go check out the podcast. You won't see me constantly scratching my nose. Um... You'll see all the news in various formats. I would suggest going to What Culture because they've been pretty on top of it. All the travel issues after Crown Jewel that kept everybody in Saudi Arabia and made almost nobody available for SmackDown the next night. And SmackDown the next night was really, really entertaining because there was two good things to come out of... Well, three good things to come out of Crown Jewel. The Fiend is the champion. 
We had a women's match in Saudi Arabia, which is awesome, which should take the cake above everything. And we got the announcement that Survivor Series has changed this year. Survivor Series is going to be Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. And I just... I didn't even care what happened on the rest of Crown Jewel at that point. I did the, the smile on my... I said this to you guys last week. I, I, I bleed black and gold. I bleed for the NXT brand. I, I have no apologies for that whatsoever. This is... This is my team. Like, I'm not, a re I'm not a fan of real sports, so I don't follow the Leafs or the Raptors or the Argos or or the, the TFC soccer team or anything. My team is NXT. So when I found out that NXT was going to be part of the Survivor Series, I was like, all right. And then when we heard everybody was trapped in... Or not, I'm not going to say trapped. I don't want to get in trouble. When everybody was stuck in Saudi Arabia and they were potentially bringing a couple of NXT bodies to SmackDown... I thought, oh, okay, it could be interesting. We could have a little, a couple highlights, a couple people get to get featured on the main roster. Wouldn't that be nice? And then SmackDown actually happened. And the only way I can explain this to you is if you guys have seen the movie V for Vendetta, when he's sending out all the masks, all the people, and whatever, and you don't really know if anybody's going to rebel. You don't really know if anybody's going to come. I think it's to the Tower of London. I'm not sure. I haven't watched the movie in a while. But then, like, one person leaves their house with the mask on and the cape on and whatever. And then a couple of other people see that person leave and they follow them. And a couple more people see that group of people. And eventually it's a mass group of people by the Tower of London before the Tower of London blows up and V dies on the train and it's all whatever. But it's that trickle to the poor to the flood uh, of people. And that's really what happened on SmackDown. It was really, I'm, Spoiler alert, on Raw it wasn't as great. On Raw it wasn't as great. I'm just going to say that right now. But we've got Bailey taking on Nikki Cross. And she, she wins because she's the champion, rah, 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 new heel Bailey with the haircut, and it's all good. She's an emo kid. She's trashed by association because she's there with Sasha Banks. But whatever. It's fine, though, because after Bailey beats Nikki Cross, Baszler comes out of the crowd. Baszler face plants uh, Sasha Banks into the ring post in the funniest meme I have seen in a long time, and then takes out Cross, and then takes out Bailey. Well, that's a nice little shot. That's a cool thing. That gets us started on this way to Survivor Series. But then Sami Zayn is talking shit in the back and comes across Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. And he, and he starts trying to suck up to them. Hey, man, I was just like you. I was the heart and soul of NXT at one point. Look at my NXT shirt. And it's a plain black shirt. And he tries to convince them that his NXT shirt is in the car. Didn't want to spill salad dressing or whatever the hell he said on it. I'm going to go to my car and get it. You guys can wait here. And, I mean, clearly Sami Zayn's car is, is at the ring because that's where he runs to. And he just gets his ass handed to him by Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. Uh, Keith Lee doing the, I think it was a moonsault off the top rope, is terrifying because Keith Lee is huge. Um... The Miz was supposed to interview The Fiend, the new WWE Universal Champion, but, you know, his magical powers don't work in Saudi Arabia, apparently. Um, so Miz comes out because it's The Miz and because he can. Uh, says he's going to interview himself, gets interrupted by Tommaso Ciampa, and they have a great, they have a great promo, which leads to a match, and it's a match that Tommaso Ciampa wins. The only thing I'll say about this match is that Miz doesn't know how to sell the fairy tale ending, but that's, that's a minor thing, right? Uh, Dana Brooke and Carmella are going to take on Fire and Desire. Fire and Desire are in the ring. Uh, Carmella and Dana Brooke are getting their asses handed to them in the back by Bianca Belair. Yay. But what it led to was Fire and Desire having a tag team match against Tegan Knox and Rhea Ripley. Now, the story of this and what's, what's got everybody all twisted up is that... Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox shouldn't be a team because the Mae Young Classic, the story that's been told to us a hundred times, uh, Tegan Knox got injured in her match in the Mae Young Classic with Rhea Ripley, and Rhea Ripley laughed at her and thought it was hilarious and whatever, and she went off to have her second knee surgery and knee rehab and whatever. 
But since Rhea Ripley's come to the NXT proper roster from NXT UK, she has sort of turned semi-babyface. She's at least a tweener. She's by no means a heel, and you could definitely play up the story that, hey, like, I did that to you, you came back from your second knee injury, at least we've got a little bit of respect for each other, and they destroy Fire and Desire, which kind of makes me sad, but it does kind of make sense, too, because they could have taken out the strong team, they could have taken out Fire and Desire in the back and left Carmella and Dana Brooke out there to die, but no, they left out Mandy Rose, who's incredibly under underutilized and underappreciated, and Sonya Deville, who's a badass in her own right, so those are the ones that took on the NXT invaders. That made the match a little more entertaining, but it still ended with uh, Rhea Ripley doing her standing figure four thing that looks absolutely terrifying because she's huge. She is the 2019 China. I want to say that it's Baszler, but it's not. It's really Rhea Ripley. Um, what else happened? What else happened? Oh, that's right. B Brian in the back. He's looking for a fight. He's not really, he doesn't really do his promo like he's concerned about the NXT invasion. He's just pissed off in general. He's looking for a fight. He comes across Triple H. He says he wants to fight. Shawn Michaels is there, decked out head to toe in NXT gear. He starts taking off his jacket. He's like, what? What? I'm not, I'm not getting into the fight. I just, I, it's cold in here. I need to put my jacket back on, which is great. And then from off camera, you see Adam Cole come in with the title and, and the crowd just loses their shit. And I do too. I'm sitting here. My TV's right there. Like, here's my camera. My TV's right there. Um, but yeah, we see Cole and Brian, and that, that's a mark out enough. But then Brian's like, well, why don't we make it worth something and put the title on the line? So on SmackDown, on the brand new, bigger, louder, and uncut Michael Bade up SmackDown, we've got Daniel Bryan versus Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. And here's the kicker. Here's what makes it all work. Daniel Bryan is somebody people care about. Adam Cole is somebody people care about. The NXT title is something people care about. And it was a good match, and the match ended clean. Roderick Strong came out to the rampway with Adam Cole. Then they sort of had a fist bump, and Roderick Strong went to the back. Now, Adam Cole being the heel could have had the numbers advantage, Roddy, Roddy, Raw, but he didn't. They had a great match, and he beat Daniel Bryan clean in an awesome match, and to see Shawn Michaels and Triple H play cheerleader on the outside, I mean, Shawn Michaels has a new life in his role in NXT, and I'm happy for the guy. Triple H is a weird one, because he's out there, he's like the spokesman for NXT, but he goes from like the overdramatic, the game spokesman, where he's doing the whole thing, and he speaks, everything he says is with such drama, and we're going to talk about that with Raw in a sec, everything he says is such drama, and such gravitas, and everything he says trails on a little bit longer than it should, but he varies between that, and the the guy that got NXT up off the ground who's just genuinely proud of his creation. So he's got this this really driven, energized, motivated, like, we're going to bring on this war. And, and every now and then he slips into this really, really honest, proud dad thing. And, and it works. It makes me feel good. Um, people still shit on Triple H. It's like, oh yeah, give it any day now and he's going to be making these guys job to him once they hit the main roster. And it's like, when 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 did that... When's the, okay, I'm not saying it's never happened, because Seth Rollins is a thing. Seth Rollins is definitely a thing we're going to talk about in a second, but like, when was the last time Triple H had... The minute Triple H books himself in a match on NXT, or books himself in a match at a takeover, you will have me agreeing with you 100%. But, no. I can't buy it. I can't buy it because you can tell the guy's genuinely... He's proud of what he's created, and he, and he deserves that. 
but he's also proud of the people that have come out of what he's created and it's good and you when you saw him at the end of the he gave the speech at the end of the night you know when you want to go to war it basically it's the same exact speech that he gave when he rebranded dx when they got rid of Shawn michaels and he brought in xbox and the outlaws or whatever and he gave that speech it's like when you want to go to war you go to your family you go to your friends you go to your blood and he basically did that speech again with the nxt but when you saw him like he's he, in the big dramatic triple h way that he does it until he puts the mic down and he's just got his arms and like yeah he's trying to be the cool dad figure in the thing as well but the way you see him and he's got his arm around his one champion his arm around his other champion it's like him and Baszler and Adam Cole with Leo Rush just beside them with Roderick Strong just beside them uh the only ones missing the only other people holding gold that were missing were the rest of the Undisputed Era because they weren't there on Smackdown now what I do love about this on a side note is even when they're all gathered in the ring together to, to, to to, uh, declare their victory the, you know they came and they put their flag in the uh, in the smackdown soil the, the what i love the only thing that broke that story was champa just on the edge of the screen and he's celebrating with the nxt group oh we took over smackdown whatever but he's still got his eyes on adam cole and he's still got his eyes on that title that is awesome storytelling it's almost like these people have more than one thing going on in their life at once leading up to a weekend where they're going to have more than one thing in their life going on at once. Now we go to Raw, though. And uh, Rollins comes out to cut this really emo promo. I can't... I both can't stand Seth Rollins. I'm not going to go on a big Seth Rollins rant here, but I both can't stand Seth Rollins and feel bad for Seth Rollins. And I think most people are in somewhat of the same boat. Because on the one hand, he's being absolutely obnoxious as a real-life person. Tyler Black should not have Twitter. Two people... Okay. If you could take Twitter away from one person, who would it be? Seth Rollins or Donald Trump? Because I think they're about on par at this point. But uh, comes out after Crown Jewel, doesn't know what to do with himself, doesn't know where his life's going next, because The Fiend took his title, his title's on SmackDown, Brock Lesnar, who he worked so hard to defeat whatever, he's back on Raw, and he's got a world title, and he's got nothing, he doesn't know where he's going next. Triple H comes out, and as much as I just said Triple H has, you know, the big grandiose, and he talks way too long, and whatever, and whatever that I can say about him, there is an element, there is a dynamic between him and Seth Rollins that just works, and he comes in, and he's being really condescending, he's being, he's being that supportive, but really, really condescending character, it's like, hey, you know, this we, we've seen this before, every time you don't know where your life is going, you come to me, you came to me, and you ended up in NXT. You came to me. You were the first NXT champion. People forget people forget that the first ever NXT title match was Seth Rollins and Jinder Mahal. Let's just let's just remember that for a second. You know, you came to me and the shield was created. You came to me and you got the WWE championship and here you are. You don't know where to go once again and now you're coming back to me. So, we're going to go to war at Survivor Series and uh, you can be with us, but you need to know if you're not with us, you're against us and I can't put my finger on it, and I cannot properly describe to you guys um, what the what the makeup of it is. But there is a dynamic between Triple H and Seth Rollins that just there's nothing else quite like it in WWE. Um, not the same, but if you look at the dynamic between Triple H and Shawn Michaels when they were having their feuds, there was a dynamic between the two of them that wasn't like anybody else. Um, there's a lot of a lot of rivalries and a lot of uh, aggressive relationships within WWE that sort of seem similar, sort of seem cut and paste, etc. 
Triple H and Rollins just have a thing. Seth Rollins can't give him an answer because the OC come out to brawl and the Undisputed Era come out to brawl and a bunch of people just come out of the crowd. Now, here's where it got a little bit unfortunate as well, whereas on SmackDown, everybody got a little bit of spotlight. You could see a little bit of who they were, etc. This In this one, you've got... Undisputed Era on the outside brawling with people and Dijak and Damian Priest and you can't really tell who's coming out of the crowd because it's the one year, uh, I'll give full credit to Michael Hamflet of What Culture, it's the one year that they could have done with some uh, color-coded t-shirts, the yellow, the red, the blue, because um, Dijak was out there, Priest was out there, I think Keith Lee was out there, all of Undisputed Era was out there, apparently Pete Dunne was out there, I didn't see him, and the Raw roster that comes out, other than the OC, are all jobbers. It's all our truths and, and Zack Ryder's and Kurt Hawkins's and like people that you would borderline expect to be going after the 24-7 title. That's that's not great. But anyways, doesn't get to uh, doesn't get to give his answer to Triple H and it's it's sort of a thread that's left hanging throughout the rest of the night, which isn't isn't the worst thing in the world. We got this sit-down interview with Becky, and this was cool too, because they, they managed to do a lot of chemistry here, not in front of the live crowd, and that's not easy to do. Becky's um, supposed to have a backstage face-to-face -face interview and the interviewer is sort of excused and then from off screen you see Baszler come in and they have this face-to-face -face. and it's really they they hadn't announced the triple threat match for Survivor Series yet the Becky, Becky versus Baszler versus Bailey all the B's fuck me up I'm sorry um, so they haven't really announced that yet but both of them kind of hint at it it's like you know when uh, hi Rhonda or sorry hi Becky I'm the champ uh, hi, Baszler, I'm the champ, you know, I'm not, I'm the one that beat the fuck out of your friend at WrestleMania, Baszler's basically saying, I'm not Ronda Rousey, and I'm gonna have to go to Survivor Series and choose which one of your limbs I want to break, or whether I want to make you submit, or whether I want to make you tap, she didn't actually do the tap, nap, snap catchphrase, which kind of surprised me, but, like, when you're waiting for it to come, it's, it's weird. Uh, for somebody who's not exactly known for her promo skills, Baszler did all right here, but both of them, sort of said, hey, I'm keeping my eye on Bailey, but I'm coming for you. So Bailey really got done dirty, and she wasn't even involved in the promo. She is the afterthought of this match, and if I had my way, um, somebody attack Bailey and start a separate feud with her so that these two can fight without Bailey being there. Because with Bailey there, it's a triple threat, which means there's no DQ, which means Baszler's gonna have her horsewoman with her, and Bailey's gonna have, uh, you know, trash of skanks with her, and at this point, Becky Lynch is going to come out with Seth Rollins because he don't got anything better to do. But that's fine. That's fine. What it's, it is whatever. But then we go to the confirmation that we do have Bailey versus Baszler versus Becky at Survivor Series. On the heels of that, we also find out that we're getting the Viking Raiders versus the Revival versus the Undisputed Era, a triple threat of all the tag team championships, which is also great. And it's sort of cookie cutter, cut and paste. What I do like about this is they, uh, in this show as well, it's got nothing to do with NXT, so I'm not really going to go into it, but they had Ray attack Brock Lesnar, and you're going to get Ray versus Brock for the title at Survivor Series. So you're not doing Brock versus The Fiend versus Adam Cole, uh, because I don't know how that match would work. And I would... If you're going to triple threat everything else, because I think they're going to I think they're going to triple threat the mid-card titles as well. I think they're going to do Roderick Strong versus Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles, which doesn't hurt my feelings at all. But if you're going to have Ciampa with a challenger, and then maybe The Fiend with some throwaway challenger, and then Brock and Ray for those titles, because the... the uh, how can I say this? The, the new structure of Survivor Series, the fact that Survivor Series is basically bragging rights from back in the day, it's fine, and it's fun, and it's a cool story for one night that they forget about for the rest of the year, but it literally means there's no title matches. Um, 
So at least if the three main titles are defended and everything else they want a cookie cutter into triple threat matches, that's fine. I don't know where that leaves Leo Rush, because who does he face? Maybe he... Oh my Christ. I got it. Because NXT UK is not represented in this pay-per-view at all, have the NXT UK champion, which I believe is still Walter, I haven't watched it in a while, versus Leo Rush. Walter, Leo Rush, that that's, that's, that's a car crash waiting to happen. Anyways... Rollins finds Triple H in the back, says, I'm going to prove that I still am who I say I am, and roddy, 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 and you're going to give me a shot at Michael Cole, or sorry, at Adam Cole. I'm sorry, I've seen the I've seen the meme all day. Hey, did you know that Michael Cole is Adam Cole's dad? It's all over the place. I don't know why it's so funny. Yes, they have the same name. It happens. Um, Rollins versus Cole is not as great as Brian versus Cole for a bunch of reasons. They didn't let it be as good as it was on SmackDown. Nobody cares about Rollins like they, cares, like they care about Brian. And it was a schmoz finish. The Undisputed Era came in, they got involved, and they just generically brawled with the Raw roster for the rest for the um, cap out of the night. So it wasn't great on Raw. And Raw is really the C show. I mean, everybody's, oh, Raw is the F show because they want to make a point. But I mean, I'm sorry, but more people are watching Raw than are watching NXT UK. I'm not even watching NXT UK right now. And I don't know right now, right at this moment, if 205 Live is still a thing. Is 205 Live still a thing with the Cruiserweight Championship properly on NXT? I don't know. But that's how we got here. We, we did some really, really good shit on SmackDown. And then we tried to replicate it on Raw and it just didn't work. So we're setting the table for a lot of really cool shit. This is a very loaded weekend for NXT now. Uh, because they've got the War Games the night before, and then they've got uh, Survivor Series the next night. So unless a whole lot of people are really doing double duty, or a whole lot of people are missing one and doing the other and whatever, NXT has a show and a half, Raw and SmackDown have half a show. It's, it's really weird. I I really don't want NXT to get buried. I don't ex I don't expect NXT to go in there and, and swamp over everybody, but the women's match they should probably take that. Even though I like Becky, tag match could go either way. Uh, the mid card champions, mid card title uh, Roderick Strong going over Shinsuke and AJ Styles would would be nice because Shinsuke's kind of lost right now and AJ Styles is in the OC, who we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, Roderick Strong could use this as being a not main guy in his faction. He needs to sort of stick out a little bit because he's going to be lumped in a team at War Games, as I say, we're going to talk about in a minute. So there's everything we needed to talk about before NXT. Find me in podcast form if you want. Raw and SmackDown did some things. Crown Jewel did a thing. And we move on. And now, let's talk about NXT for November 6th, 2019. That was a ramble, and I've already been talking for 25 minutes. Good Lord. Uh, we we open up sort of dead, sort of dry, with Mauro Ronaldo informing us that the OC have been... Uh, I can speak, I swear. Words are hard. I'm going to pull a Taz here, have a little bit of a water break. You know, whistle to yourself while I do this. Because I don't have the water break gimmick thing that he does. The OC is attacking the Undisputed Era in the back. They're in between trucks. They're in between containers, etc. One of them gets thrown up against the... And I'm pretty sure it's fake. But one of them gets thrown up against the side of a truck. And there's a big blood spatter on the side of the truck. Now, I don't want it to be real. Because I don't want people getting hurt and whatever. It's more so that with WWE being so anti-blood. Or there being such controversy around blood and wrestling. I, uh... It took notice because the side of the truck was white too. Which just made it stand out. And then the OC come down to the ring. And AJ Styles... AJ Stylesing it up, I guess you could say. So this is NXT. Yeah, yeah, that's a terrible 
AJ impression, and we're never going to do that again. Immediate NXT chance from the Full Sail Loyals, obviously. Undisputed Era tried to take over Raw. They want a war. They We brought the war to them. We just took out all your champions, which is true, because Undisputed Era are all the champions except Shayna Baszler, and they're not going to have AJ Styles do a Styles Clash on Shayna Baszler, are they? OC just took over NXT, and it's not just phenomenal. That's Undisputed. They're, un they're interrupted by Tommaso Ciampa, who gets huge daddy's home. I love that the daddy's home thing has gotten over. It's fucking great. Uh, he said he looks at uh, Styles. He looks at the OC. He's like, oh, that's what the main roster looks like. Eh? For years, I was asked, when are you going to go up? When are you going to go up to the main roster? And he says, now that you guys are here, I'd like to, in I'd like to welcome you. Words are hard. It's late in the day. I'd like to welcome you to the main roster. NXT is the main roster. Huge NXT chance. NXT is the NXT is the show. NXT is Daddy's home. So we put an entirely new context on the Daddy's home chant, which is even better. If you want to kick the Undisputed Era's ass, I'm not going to stop you. You go ahead and do that. But if you think you're going to come here and take over, I have a real problem with that. Uh, AJ Styles shoots back on the mic eventually because he's sort of just standing there looking amused by what Tommaso Ciampa is saying. He says, you know, we should be, should we be really scared of you? There's, there's one of you and three of us, and you're the only one on this entire brand with any balls, it seems like. And then Ciampa looks to his left side, looks to his right side, Matt Riddle comes out, Keith Lee comes out, and Ciampa says, looks like we've got all the balls you want. You know, we're practicing for war games, but we'll go to war with you tonight. AJ thinks about it for a second, accepts, and tonight we've got the invading OC from Raw taking on Tommaso Ciampa, Limitless Keith Lee, and the original bro, Matt Riddle. That is not too shabby. Everybody that was predicting that, oh yeah, they're going to invade with, like, Big Show and Baron Corbin, and I'm like, well, Baron Corbin's from NXT. He'd probably get a weird level of respect, but Big Show is, is a no, and, and yeah, no. Pete Dunne versus Damian Priest, Chapter 2, after the dick kick heard around the world a couple weeks ago. Color and Elbow Time, and both men try out their finish. And I will say, I gotta say it every time, Damian Priest's intro is fucking killer. It's one of the best in NXT at the moment. And, I mean, they don't put... I have to keep saying it, because it is so good. They don't put a lot of extra production. Like, there's no pyro at full sail. There's no... They don't even really do the smoke jets anymore, do they? Like, they used to do with Balor and... Uh, Becky Lynch and people like that. It's just he's got the he's got the fire gimmick and he does the the pose with the archer thing. It's really really good. I like it. I need to mention it every time because it's just that good. Collar double type and a side headlock by Dunn. A series of kicks. Dunn. Uh, Dunn stomps on the arm and clotheslines and stomps on the hands. Dunn kicks the hands against the post and then Priest gets him back in the ring somehow with that messed up hand and still managed to, to hit a reverse mic check. Series of strikes by Priest and a neck vice. Second rope snake eyes and a mud hole by Priest and a back elbow. Falcon arrow by Priest. Both men trade some punches. There's an armbar body scissor combination by Dunn. An X-plex and a series of chops. Instaguri by Dunn. Missile drop kick and a kick to the head. Moonsault to the outside by Dunn. An apron chokeslam by Priest. Now here I gotta stop. The apron chokeslam by Priest is probably one of the better apron spots I've seen since Kev since uh, Kevin Owens. I was going to say Kevin Dunn there. Why was I going to say Kevin Dunn? Since Kevin Owens was doing the pop-up apron powerbomb, this was this was on that level. Um, Sit-out powerbomb by Dunn, who stomps on the hands again. Roundhouse kick by Priest and a suicide sent on. As we go to the first proper commercial break. There's been some picture-in-picture picture shit as we go, but this is the first proper commercial break, which is nice. They're limited. It's fine. Both men trade some punches, some kicks, and some elbows. A high, a high knee by Priest. Headbutt by Dunn. Razor's Edge by Priest. Dunn works the fingers. 
Here we got a cool spot because Priest, you know, if it works for me once, it'll work for me again. He goes for a low blow, but Dunn blocks it. And as, as he backs away, he bumps into the referee. The referee's not looking. Dunn hits his own low blow. The place goes nuts. He gets him into the rolling arm bar, works the fingers, snaps the fingers, and Dunn wins by submission. Not the end of the night for Pete Dunn, though, because he's jumped by Dane, and then Priest jumps him, and then Dane and Priest sort of fight each other over who can jump Pete Dunn, which is cool. Uh, Priest gets thrown out because, I mean, Dane's fresh. Priest just had a match. Priest gets thrown out for a second. Dunn uh, gets his ass handed to him by Dane for a while. And then as Dane is leaving, Priest tries to get him again on the rampway, eats the stairs for his trouble, and eats a cannonball against said steps to just punctuate the whole thing. And it's really, really good. Killian Dane, I don't know why more people aren't into Killian Dane. Killian Dane, he's just a wrecking ball, literally and figuratively. He is... I think a little bit more effectively what Dave Mastiff is on uh, NXT UK. Just big, thick, I can throw myself at you as a weapon, I can be a projectile, I will knock you down and you will stay down. I, it just works. I don't know what everybody else's problem with it is. I don't really want to know, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, we get some news here that was actually broken on social media before NXT, but they make it official on the show that Ripley has already picked Tegan Knox and Candice LeRae for her team. Baszler has already picked Shirai and Belair for her team, leaving one more spot on each team. Oh my god, who are they going to choose? It's a story for the rest of the night. And then we get, I'm not going to lie, I, I have notes, and I'm going to skip them. Tenera Conte versus Santana Garrett. It was very, very forgettable. I mean, Conte got the win with what they called the Brazilian kick, which just looked like a kick in a barrage of kicks, which made up the whole match. Um, I don't want to talk shit. I like Tenera Conte, uh, Santana Garrett. They really tried to play her up as the real-life superwoman, and it's a little it's a little main roster of that, because, you know, they bring out Ricochet, who's awesome, and then you got Michael Cole, or whoever it is now, Dio Madden, or who, somebody, saying, oh, he's gonna make you believe that superheroes exist, and it's just like, don't. Don't, just let him be awesome, it's fine. But, um, yeah, I... I couldn't be paid to give a shit, I'm not gonna lie. Um, they tried to tell us stories about her real life, you know, she's had a hard life, you know, her dad trained her, her dad just passed away not too long ago, which is sad. I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away from her sad real life story. It's just, it's not enough on its own to make me care about her character in the ring. That might make me sound cold, that might make me sound like a bit of an asshole, I'm just being honest with you guys. Tanera Conte is good. Tanera Conte is the, sort of the gatekeeper of the lower the lower tier of the women's division. What I can't wait for, because they've been talking about it all week on social media, you look at the WWE Performance Center on Twitter, I told you guys a while ago, and everybody told me I was nuts, you know, it's fake, it's fake news, da-da-da-da-da, it's not real, she's denied it. Shotzi Blackheart is coming to NXT, guys, and, you know, Scarlet somebody and whatever, fives, tens, whatever the fuck her deal is, but she's gonna get her ass handed to her by my girl Shotzi, it's gonna be all good. Video package on... Tony Nice video package on Angel Garza. So I wonder what we're getting later on tonight. We get a quick preview of the Triple Threat Women's Match at Survivor Series. We get a quick preview of the Triple Threat Tag Team Match at Survivor Series. And we move on to Dakota Kai versus Shayna Baszler. Now, Dakota Kai, the story here is she's trying to earn her way onto, onto Rhea Ripley's team, which is, which is 
cool storytelling on a couple of fronts because A, she wants to be on that team because she's been wronged by Baszler in the past. B, she wants to be on that team because her tag team partner Tegan Knox is already on that team. C, she's going to prove herself tonight against Shayna Baszler who has caused her so much trouble in the past. Kayfabe broke her arm, etc. I don't know whether they blamed her leg injury on Shayna Baszler in storyline. I don't remember. Somebody can tell me down in the box below or if you're listening to this on a podcast form, you can throw it to me on Twitter or something like that. But... They have blamed a lot of stuff that has happened to her on Shayna Baszler. She has a history with Shayna Baszler. You know, there's, there is an already established uh, and well-deserved David and Goliath uh, dynamic between the two of them. So there's a lot of cool stories going into this match. Collar double tie up in a shoving match and a handful of hair by Baszler. Pie face by Kai, which surprises everybody because she's showing a little bit of attitude, which is good. And then a pie face with her foot. So just she went to kick her and faked her out and instead just sort of give her face a little nudge with the foot because she's from Team Kick. Get it, guys? She tries for a roll-up, and it obviously does not work. Arm, arm drag, snapmare, penalty kick by Kai. Baszler tosses Kai out of the ring, stomping Kai's legs sideways when they get back in the ring, which looked really bad. This is where real story works, because you know her and Tegan Knox were both out simultaneously with almost identical leg injuries, and they're, and they're some of the smaller girls on the roster. So when their legs get worked on in a match, when the story of the match, when the, when the storytelling in the match, the ring psychology is about the legs, that's where it gets more real. And I keep going back to this. I, I, I know I've driven down on this in the past when they're doing a highlight package on somebody. I don't need to see surgery footage. I didn't need to see it with Dakota Kai. I didn't need to see it with Tegan Knox. I didn't need to see it with Tommaso Ciampa and his neck because that, that gets overused. But when they replay her getting injured, and this isn't even Tegan Knox in the match, so I'm on a tangent here. When they replay Tegan Knox getting injured in the Mae Young Classic, I remember what it was like watching that episode. And that is the kind of real-life stuff that can inform the match, not Santana Garrett. She's the real-life superwoman. Don't do it. Do this instead. Stomp on her leg. Stomp on her ankle, etc. Knee bar by Baszler. Stomps on the ankle again. We go to commercial break. Double stomp by Kai. A clothesline and a super kick all by Kai. Trip by Kai. A pump-style boot to the face by Kai. Gut wrench suplex by Baszler. A tornado forearm shot. Headbutt by Kai. Roundhouse kick by Baszler. Twice. Once in the middle of the ring. Once off the ropes. Haluva kick by Kai, which is, is great and it's better than Sami Zayn's. I'm just putting it out there. High knee by Baszler. Kai fights out of the Karafuda clutch. This was cool. She got her in the Karafuda clutch because Karafuda clutch has been sort of protected and it's not been like super overly killed like the stomp. Seth Rollins. Hint, hint. Um... Plus, Baszler's bigger than her, stronger than her, and she has the storyline advantage of being the quote-unquote real fighter. But she fights her way out of the Karafuda clutch to get the big pop from the crowd before she gets locked back into it and loses by submission. There's a three-on-one beatdown, and then everybody comes out. Shirai comes out. Belair comes out. LeRae comes out. Uh, Ripley comes out. They all join the brawl because they're all going to do a thing, whatever. Mia Yim comes out. Her music's playing. She's in street clothes. She's got the kendo stick. She takes out fucking everybody. Now, here's where it really didn't make sense, and we're going to get to it again in a second. What you've got in the ring is five people instead of four. What you've got on the outside is five people instead of four, because Baszler has Shirai and Belair on her team already. That's three, plus her two cronies. That would make five. Now, in the ring, you got Ripley, Knox, uh, sorry, Ripley, Knox, LeRae, I can't count, Kai and Yim, which makes five. So my thinking at this point, I got really hyped because it's like, okay, maybe they're going to expand the match. It's going to be five on five instead of four on four. I would have loved that. I really would have because then you would have had a reason for having both of Bel Air's goons in there. And I really thought that that's where they were going. 
and they tore my heart out a little bit. We're going to talk about that in a second. We get highlights from Raw and SmackDown, which is everything I just rambled about a second ago. And then we get a video on Isaiah Swerve Scott for reasons. Gee, I wonder if he's going to be on the show later. Tony Nese versus Angel Garza, number one contendership for the Cruiserweight Championship currently held by Leo Rush, who's fucking amazing. You know one of the reasons he's not amazing? Yeah, or sorry, you know one of the reasons why he is amazing? Because his name isn't Jordan Miles. Moving on. Tony Nese versus Angel Garza. Color and what's happening. Each one goes for the other one's hair for the advantage right away. Neither one of them's really playing a good guy. I mean, Tony Nese is an asshole heel. Uh, Angel Garza playing the cocky heel while we hear about his lineage at nauseum on commentary. Trip by Garza, a stiff chain wrestling sequence to follow. Test of strength, armbar with a post by Nese, wrist lock and a front face lock by Nese. Heads, uh, head scissor by Garza. They trade some chops, and the chops are just ridiculous, like turn your chest into hamburger chops. I love it at one point because Angel Garza goes for the double chop, and the slap sort of rings out throughout the arena, and it's that it's that one chop that you know hit just perfectly because it cracks throughout the entire arena, and even the crowd kind of goes, oh shit. And the great thing about it is, is Tony needs to sort of brushing his chest off, Angel Garza's sitting there looking at his own hands because they hurt so much. That's fucking brilliant. Some body shots, an insiguri by Garza. They climb up to the second rope, and here is something I never thought I would say in a million years. Normally, in an Angel Garza match, there's a spot, there's a pause in the match where I would say to you right now, and Angel Garza takes off his pants for reasons. But instead, Angel Garza is on the second rope. Tony Nese goes to powerbomb him. And I swear to Christ, I never thought I would say this in a million years. Tony Nese powerbombs Garza's pants. If you're listening to this on audio, I want that silence just to sort of reverberate for a second. Tony Nese powerbombed another man's pants. Right. <laughs> dropkick by Garza. Wrecking ball dropkick. Outside moonsault by Garza. Butterfly backbreaker is beautiful. Pump handle falcon arrow by Nisa. Tombstone lung blower by Garza. Tornado DDT on the floor by Nisa followed by a 450 splash. Powerbomb by Garza and then he hit the wing clipper which is the most I say a lot that I don't know what to call things. I really don't know what to call this. He got him in a butterfly lock like he was going to do a butterfly overhead suplex but instead wrapped his legs around his own waist dropped him straight down in sort of an atomic drop thing basically he, he had him by the head and shoulders and drove his spine into the mat tailbone first it looks really painful and really awkward and it got the win which is good I mean Tony Nese just sort of made his way out Angel Garza you know posing to the crowd as, as he does and it's the typical you know, there's a number one contender that's just been established in the champ the champion. I was about to say the champa, but he's not champion yet, is he? He doesn't have Goldie. The champion, Leo Rush, comes out. And Leo Rush with this new, confident, uh, babyface persona that he's got going on. And it's it, it, he still manages to be super babyface and super cocky at the same time. He comes out with his title and he's, and he's clapping. He's like, hey man, I like that. I really like that. And he goes to shake his hand. And Garza sort of walks, almost walks right by him, and then full-on palm thrusts him in the face. And there's no reaction, there's no brawl, there's no, you know, pull apart or whatever. There's just Leo Rush sort of giving him like, like, a, like a nod of acknowledgement. It's like, oh, okay, it's, it's like that. All right, cool, cool, cool. And then we get the confirmation that that match is happening next week. Angel Garza versus Leo Rush, which is a lot better than the match I fantasy booked a couple minutes ago of Leo Rush taking on Walter. Because that would be suicide. Oh yes, um, 
In the back, we see a, a segment with Ripley and, and all the people involved with her, which is five people. She announces that Mia Yim is the fourth member of her team and cuts Dakota Kai. And it's like, okay, uh, they sort of did Dakota Kai a little bit dirty right there, I'm not going to lie. But you got Rhea Ripley, you got Tegan Knox, you got Candice LeRae, and you got Mia Yim. That's a pretty fucking awesome team. Now you got Baszler on the other side and Shirai and Bel Air for reasons. And then so Baszler now has to pick one of her buddies, either Justin Duke or Marina Shafir. Uh, the only way this really works now is if Dakota Kai goes and takes out one of the horsewomen. And that's why the only the other one is in. Mathematically, you could have had something cool here with the five on five. You've created a little bit of a, of a story chunk that doesn't quite work here because they never announce who the fourth person on Baszler's team is. So she's still, you know, she's still considering it. Roddy, Roddy, Raw. Isaiah Swerve Scott versus uh, Dominic Dijakovic. And this was a really weird, weird match. I'm not going to lie. It wasn't a bad match by any stretch of the imagination, but as far as a contradiction in styles, I like Swerve Scott. I like, um, what was his name before he became to WWE? I saw him wrestle like once. He came in, he was in one match at Destiny that I was there for and it was really good. And then I heard immediately after that that he was coming to WWE and they had renamed him Swerve. Um, yeah, it's just not going to come to me now, is it? But uh, Swerve works the arm right away, which is interesting because he's the smaller guy, Dijak's the stronger guy. You figure if he's going to work the arm, Dijak would throw him across the ring. But there's a neck vice by Dijak, super kick by Swerve, strikes and kicks and black hole slams by Dijak and a vertical suplex toss. What I do like about Dijak, and I'm starting to sort of get a feel for what his style is, his style is just anything that would be a nice clinical technical suplex from a normal power guy is just a toss with him. And there's a recklessness to it, and if that's the appeal of his offense, then then cool, I guess. At least he's developing some sort of in-ring personality. Because outside the ring, I don't give a single fuck about this guy. I could not be paid to give one-tenth of a fuck. Oh yes, boot by Dijak followed by a choke bomb, Poison Rana by Swerve. Now hitting a Poison Rana on somebody that much bigger than you, considering how dangerous a move it is to begin with, was pretty fucking awesome. Followed by a double stomp on the apron, Tornado Lariat by Swerve, super kick and a stomp, and then for reasons we had to feast your eyes and Dijak got the win. I had a feeling going into this match, I mean, log logic has to take over in your brain at some point. They're pushing Dijak, Dijak's gonna get the win. But, to Swerve's credit, there were many, many, many moments in this match that made me question the, oh my god, this is exactly what's happening, we know this is exactly what's happening, uh, and made me think that he might get the win. And that's enough for, for a, like a five or six minute match on a weekly show uh, that's sort of a throwaway match anyway. All I need is one or two minutes where I think the other guy's going to win, make me, make me doubt what I, what I think I know is 100% true, if that makes sense. It probably doesn't, because I'm rambling. And it's late. And I'm tired, and I've done overtime this week, and yeah. Okay, so next week, if they're trying to sell you on next week's show, if they're trying to pull viewers away from AEW, there I said it, um, you've already got a Cruiserweight Championship match that's going to be really damn good with Leo Rush and Angel Garza. How about a ladder match between Io Shirai and Mia Yim for the War Games advantage at War Games? That is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm pretty sure that's going to be really, really violent. OC! taking on Champa, Lee, and Riddle. And I do like the nice little touch of when they put up the fight graphic for this, 
Um, the one half of it that had the NXT guys on it was the typical yellow match graphic with the with the scratchy writing and their names on it and whatever. The background of the other side with the OC on it didn't have any names, didn't have anything. It was just red, sort of like the red Raw logo, but no names, and it was just fine. It was, an, it was a little thing and probably reading way too much into it, but I particularly liked it because of what I read out of it. It's fine. Um, OC, Ciampa, Lee, Riddle, it's all good. All six men brawl to start. Uh, they fight around the ringside. Riddle eats the guardrail on the outside. When they finally get into the ring, the face-off that starts the match is Styles versus Ciampa. I kind of wish that they had just gone with the one-on-one -on -one of Styles and Ciampa. I mean, obviously, you would have had Anderson and... and uh, I can't speak. Anderson and Gallows interfere at some point, or you would have had some NXT people run in at some point. But I think Ciampa versus Styles main eventing an episode of NXT is going to pull more attention, I'm just going to say it the way it is, it's going to pull more attention than uh, six-man tag is. Because, let's let's be real for a second, I mean, Adam Cole had a pretty good week. He went in and he fought Daniel Bryan, he went in and fought Seth Rollins. Ciampa went to SmackDown and fought The Miz, but didn't really fight anybody on Raw. So Ciampa's second match, making him equal to, equal to Adam Cole, because you figure they're going to have a title match eventually. So they need to be considered on equal playing field. Now, we already know that Ciampa and Adam Cole are on equal playing field, but from a storytelling perspective, Adam Cole had two marquee main roster main events against two guys that are good. Whatever we think of Seth Rollins, Rollins is a good wrestler. Daniel Bryan is a better wrestler and a wrestler that we actually care about, but that's, that's neither here nor there. Ciampa went in and pulled a surprisingly good match out of The Miz. My boy, The Miz, but he's not the greatest technical wrestler in the world, and even I'll admit that. He could have used a second match like this one to sort of put him over in the eyes of whatever new fans NXT has, whatever new fans are going to be seeing him at Survivor Series, etc. That's just me. But that's how it started. They were trading fists, dropkick by Styles, forearm to the outside by Styles, suspension DDT by Ciampa, which is apparently called the Willow's Bell now. Now, I don't know if that's a reference to something or not, once again, if you're watching me on YouTube, throw it down in the box below. If you're listening to me in a podcast form, throw it to me over on Twitter, at SpazPhoenix1. I would really like to know. If it's just a cool name for a move, then then that's fine. I mean, Randy Orton does it. Ch uh, Ciampa and Gargano both do it better. Uh, Collar and tie up in a battle of shoulder tackles between Gallows and Keith Lee. And you knew that was going to happen. They were the two big guys on the two teams, whatever. But eventually, Lee pounces him right out of the ring. Kicks by Anderson and a running crossbody by Lee on Anderson, which just looked like... Backbreaker by Styles, a headlock and a triple team by the OC. Jawbreaker by Ciampa, snap vertical suplex by Gallows and a high knee by Ciampa. Hot tag to Riddle, who has shots and knees and slaps and kicks for everybody. Hits an exploder suplex on Styles. Ripcord knee, a GTS and a German suplex by Riddle. Body slam to Gallows by Lee. Sorry, yes. Body slam to Gallows by Lee. I can't read my own writing. It's fine. Inseguri, Brainbuster by Styles, and a boot and a forearm. A pounce by Styles. Sorry, a pounce to Styles by Lee, who takes out the ref as well. So we've got no more ref. There's a running knee by Champa on Styles, but out comes Finn Balor, and this is where crossover of story gets so fucking good. Balor is the asshole of NXT, but. They have to balance both stories. They have to balance the the wars that are happening on NXT and the war that NXT is is doing with the rest of the roster. So he's down there. There's some raw invaders, but there's also his enemies in the ring. What does he do? He drops the DDT to Riddle on the rampway. Uh, AJ Styles throws up the two sweet. Uh, he throws up the the weird gun. I guess it's the Bullet Club thing. Somebody tell me. 
Somebody tell me. Somebody confirmed me. Somebody that watches ROH or New Japan or wherever the fuck the Bullet Club thing started. Tell me if, if he's doing like the bent thing with his fingers on purpose because it looks weird. It looks like he's trying to do a gun, but he can't quite do it. His fingers are a little bit impotent. It's weird. But he does the he does, he has the nod of approval um, between himself and AJ Styles, which is fine. The match has been thrown out at this point. But then Cole comes in, and Cole does the opposite. He takes care of both stories. He comes in, he takes out AJ Styles, and takes out Tommaso Ciampa. He takes out their brand opponent, and he takes in, out his within NXT opponent in Tommaso Ciampa. And then there's a stare down between Balor and Adam Cole, because who is... Who is Balor really loyal to? Because he's a heel, and Adam Cole's a heel, in the NXT context. But outside of the NXT context, he's Bullet Club, and so is AJ Styles. Now, that being said, I'm pretty sure Adam Cole was Bullet Club as well at some point. Again, tell me down in the box below, or at SpazPhoenix1 on Twitter. Um, but... His, his allegiance is so fucking fluid. Is he sticking up for himself? Is he going for a title? Is he going for his enemies? Is he sticking with his brand? Is he trying to fuck over his brand? Finn Balor, at the end of this night, I mean, Adam Cole's a close second because he saved Ciampa to then take out Ciampa. So he's sort of, he's sort of doing the same thing that I'm talking about with Balor, but Balor, in this one little, like, I don't want to say match because he wasn't in the match, in this one little ending segment became the most interesting person in the WWE. Because Survivor Series may... This is the thing. I, this is where I make the big, grandiose, dramatic statements that I make. The, the How we feel at the end of Survivor Series, the pass or fail of Survivor Series may or may not fall on the shoulders of Finn Balor. And that's fucking awesome for somebody who, a couple of weeks ago, was jobbing for Bray Wyatt just because he threw a mask on, which was still a great promo, incredibly underutilized. Not as good as John Moxley's on the same night. I'm just gonna say it, because it's just Dean Ambrose with a couple more fucks thrown in. Putting it out there. But anyways, there's all kinds of good shit. As I've said, as I will keep saying, the women's division on NXT is better than any main mainstream women's division there is. I'm sorry, Raw, SmackDown, you have some women on there that I like, but you're not using them properly. And my God, AEW, you do a lot of great shit, and I will give you the credit. Your women's division is not one of them. The dark match last night, literally on AEW Dark, the women's tag match. Drill, drill my teeth without anesthetic. Please, just don't. And there's a Brit Breaker joke in there somewhere. But as I've said, as I went into a big ramble about it last week, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again this week because I think it bears repeating. No matter what you watch, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. And my wish for all of you guys is that you guys have found something that you love as much as I love NXT. Please go find me out in uh, podcast form because I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Until then, I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all of these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, I am tagging out. Bye, guys. Like me